the kill, and Warner wins the set. Fade away by Moores. Welcome to another edition of In Play. I'm Craig Maddock. He played high school basketball in South Dakota. He played college basketball in South Dakota. And for but one year, he coached basketball in South Dakota. And boy, did he coach. A total of 45 years, 748 wins in boys basketball, the all-time winningest coach in South Dakota, seven titles, two different schools, and he's just a great guy too. We're talking about Larry Luchens of Custer. Larry joins us now on In Play. Larry, you live in Sioux Falls now, but I know you still travel. You go see your beloved Custer Wildcats. In fact, just recently you went to see them play St. Thomas Moore. Cavaliers got the win. Did you watch that game any different today in the stands when you were on the bench all those years with Custer? Oh, oh yeah, yeah. I, I, I watch it different. I mean, you know, you, you, you don't have anything. You don't have anything to say when you're a fan. I mean, uh, yell at the refs maybe or something like that. I don't do that. I don't do that. I don't. I don't. I'm just kidding. But uh, there's not, You know, you, you do it different. I mean, you just you know you don't. You don't have anything to handle with this squad, you know. I mean, no matter what you're thinking, you can't do anything about it. There's no pressure either. No pressure at all. Yeah, well, that's true. That's you know, true. You played high school basketball at Britain. How good were those Britain Braves at the time when you played? You know, we were pretty good. We really were. Uh, we ended up going to state tournament when I was a senior, and uh, got beat by uh, Willow Lake in the first game. They ended up getting second. Then we ended up uh, playing Provo uh, for the uh, uh, Constellation Championship. And uh, we, we beat them in double overtime. And back in that day, it was sudden death. So it uh, it took six seconds. And uh, we scored the basket oh, and won the game. Oh, oh. Uh, uh, help us out for some of us long-timers in South Dakota and the new newcomers. Where's Provo, South Dakota? Provo was uh, down in... Uh, Next to Edgemont, uh, they had uh, all the bombs that they stored there. And uh, uh, back in in 1960, they had a that high school and, and had a squad. They had a pretty good team. Pretty good. They were a pretty good team. Who were some of the other uh, guys that you played ball with in Britain? I played uh, with uh, Dave Watson, uh, Rich Steele, who was uh, killed in a car accident when he was going to college at Yankton. Um, Dave Watson, Rich Steele, Gary Gross. Those those are the seniors on the squad. Then we had a few uh, few juniors that played on the squad too. A Schleckoway, uh, a kid by the name of Wayne Hoynes. Uh, yes, yes. We had a pretty good squad. Hmm. You know, you got to play college ball at Northern. Bob Walk was there, of course. So, how many other colleges wanted you to play for them, or was Northern not, the only not, one? Not very many. Not very many. Uh, I had uh, I had an offer at Yankton. Yankton College was still uh, going in, and and uh, I thought about going down there, and then I just uh, it just didn't kind of hit. I guess right. I I decided not to. I, in fact, I I transferred to North or to South Coast State. I was at South Coast State for two quarters. It didn't take me very long to see that they had a lot of talent and I probably wasn't going to play much there. <laughs> and, and they were the South Dakota State team that four years later won the national tournament. So 
I, I guess I had it picked out right. Yeah, but you you loved the game of basketball. You loved it a lot. What what was it? Who was it that decided? You know what? I'm I'm going to coach this game I love. Well, I I think Craig goes back to you know uh, when I when I figured out I wasn't going to play in the uh, NBA, I probably should coach at the at the high school level. But uh, I I. I didn't want to. I didn't want to get away from it. You know, I just. I didn't want to. I wanted to stay with the game, and uh, so that's why I, I started coaching. And and I loved it. I loved it when I quit. I mean, uh, I, I quit because I wanted to see my granddaughters play, and also I, I was I was kind of bogged down by lupus, and uh, yeah. I, I I was coaching in practice. From a chair, I mean, I my legs were so bad I couldn't I couldn't stand up, and so I thought, you know, it might be time to hang it up, and that's that's when I did hang it up. How much of an influence did Bob Walk of Northern have on you as a coach? A lot, a lot. I mean, you know, I mean, he he was intense, and uh, uh, you know, people ask me, well, how could you handle that? And I said, <laughs> well, it was easy to handle it because when he was yelling at me, I knew I'd done something wrong. And I just listened. I didn't argue. I didn't, didn't, you know, say, oh, no, you're wrong. If he said something to me about, you know, got to get on the boards, I knew I had to get on the boards. <laughs> but uh, he, he had a, you know, he really, he really influenced my defense. You know, he, he, he played all man-to-man back then. And, and that's the way I started out playing all man-to-man and playing a lot of pressure and, and uh, I got that. I got all that from from Bob Watt. Well, you like the fast break too. I mean, you love that. Yeah, yeah. He liked to run the floor, and sure. and and uh, you know we we run the floor with most of the teams that I've had. You know, your first coaching job was DeSmet, 1968. I think uh, you were there four years, but you won two titles. Here you are, and you're only like your third and fourth year of coaching, and you're winning titles already. What was going through your mind at that time as a young coach? I was thinking, boy, this is pretty easy. Easy. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was, I, I, I knew I had talent, you know, and, and I did. I mean, I had a lot of talent. And uh, I, as I, you know, the longer I was away from those kids, the more I realized how good they were, you know. Uh, you take, you know, Randy Jenks and Terry Long. I mean, they were good basketball players. And then, uh, Rick Timmons, Dave Andreessen, uh, Glenn Klinkle. I mean, oh, it was boy. just, they were all good players, you know. Uh, Jake's went out uh, his senior year and didn't come back until tournament time. And, uh, you know, we still were right there winning games, 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 because we had a lot of talent to back him up. Before you won those two titles back-to-back at DeSmet, it was 1969, you lost to Oneida in the finals. It was ni- right. 93 to 90. And remember, there's no three-point line. I know. That's a lot of points going back and That's forth. That's a lot of points. <laughs> there, were, there were a lot of free throw shots in that game. A lot of fouls called and a lot of free throw shots. That, that's the reason the score got up as high as it did, it was all free throws. I think Jenks was – I think he made 21 free throws in that game. You know, how many times did you coach against – your high school alma mater, Britain, when you were at DeSmet? I coached against Britain just one time at DeSmet, when I was at DeSmet. Mm-hmm. They they had a, a 
kind of a classic up up in Britain where you come out and played a couple of games and and uh, I, I played I just coached against them that one time. Well, Britain won the title in '72. I think that was that the year you were uh, at St. Mary's at New England, North Dakota. Your only year there. Uh, that was the year that I was, uh, was off? farming. You were that farming. That was the year I was farming. Well, you know, you were at St. Mary's in New England, North Dakota. You left uh, DeSmet after four years. You went 19-4. and four. You lost in the districts on a Saturday and then fired the following Monday. How cruel was that? How cruel uh, was that? You are there just one well, year, and then you said you never wanted to coach again. Well, I didn't. I mean, I got fired, you know, and, and – uh, the, the priest told me, he said, you either change and, and, and play a zone and walk the ball down the floor, or you win the state tournament, or you get fired. Well, we got upset. We got upset on Saturday night, and I got fired on Monday morning. He was a man of his word. So you sat out a year. What did you do? You just told me. You went, you went farming for a year. I was on the farm. I was helping out a friend to uh, <laughs> do his farming. Then I went back and helped my stepdad at the filling station. Uh, it wasn't anything that was too uh, t- t- trying on the brain. <laughs> yeah, but but it was who hurt. was it? Who was it that convinced you that hey, you're 109 and 20 now as a coach? You got a couple of titles. You should go back to coaching. Who was the one that said, Larry, come on, uh, get get off the tractor and get into the basketball room? It was it was uh, Dick Bonson who uh, who was uh, he was my neighbor. It was never, he was a pastor in Britain. And he was my neighbor right across the alley and became really good friends. And then he went to, he went to Custer and he came, he came to the filling station twice and said, well, why don't you just come out and interview? You know, and well, I just figured I owed it to him because of everything he had done for me uh, to go interview. And I interviewed and watched the young kids play. And I thought, yep, I think I want to come here. Mm. Custer had never been to the state tournament finals before you got there. Um, you went zero and three in the finals before you got that first title in 1990 versus Red Cloud. What was what were the emotions like in that state tournament? The first one for Custer, your third overall. Well, that was a big game. It, it was a big game. We had you know we had a good team. I still have a picture of, of Lance and I embracing after that game. I mean. Uh, I, I was excited. I was excited for him. He had a, he had a great tournament, and uh, uh, it, it was it was it was fun. It was fun. There was no there was no doubt about it. I mean, uh, you love to win the tournament. You love to win all of them, but that was a big one for me and for the Custer Wildcats. You know, after that uh, title with Red Cloud, then it was unbelievable matchups with Lennox Custer and Lennox. You guys met six times in the finals. You got four of them. What were those battles like with Lennox in the state basketball? Unbelievable. Uh, I was uh, I was visiting with uh, Jay Steele when I was out in, in Custer, and he was he was talking about the he and Roths became really really good friends, and he was talking about how well they got ready to introduce. You know, he comes out there and. And uh, Rob says, says uh, "How you doing, Hillbilly?" You know, <laughs> they, they just they just got along really great, and that and that was kind of true. I mean, uh, that was kind of true of all of them. We, we got along really well with the Lennox kids. And uh, did we want to win the games when we played them? Absolutely. I mean, that was a that was a big time rivalry. 
I want to talk about the LNI, the Lakota Na- National Invitational. Uh, you Custer won it seven times. You were the first non-reservation school to win it. And I know Brian Brewer, who founded uh, the tournament, told me once that there was a time where they were wondering, should Custer even be in the LNI? But they got together one year and they said, of course, of course we want Custer. It just makes the tournament better. But I think you had a very special relationship, Larry, with the LNI, with the Native American schools, uh, the region, uh, West River. What was the LNI? What did that mean to you and to Custer? That was that was big time. Uh, you know, when, when I came to Custer, it was right right after the the burning of the courthouse in Custer, and uh, uh, you know, AIM was just getting started uh, again, and and getting active again, I guess you would say. And, and my superintendent told me, so, well, you know, you, you don't have to go down. We had a game with Pine Ridge scheduled. He said, you don't have to go down and play that game. You know, if you're concerned about that, I said, listen, I said, you want to play the best teams that you can. If you want to get better, if you want to be a good basketball team, you've got to play the best teams. And they're one of the best teams in the, in the, in the state of South Dakota. Uh, of course, we want to play them, and that was the that was the big thing. Uh, nobody else, no no other non-native team would go down to the reservation and play. We were the only one that would, and so uh, Brian Brewer and Chuck Cooney said got to, got got me on the on the phone on a conference call there one day and said, you know, we'd like to have you play in the LNI. I said I would love to do that. I would love to do it. And that was that was how we got started, and uh, uh, it, it was great. You know, I got a lot of really good friends uh, from the from the reservation because of the LNI, and uh, there's a lot of really really good Native American basketball coaches too. Dusty was probably one of the best coaches in the state, Dusty LeBeau. and uh, mm-hmm. I agree. We 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 tangled we tangled a few <laughs> times. Uh, uh, in the finals of the LNI. In fact, in 1990, we played them in the finals of the LNI and the finals of the state tournament and uh, beat them by six points uh, both times. Great games. You know, I would see you on the coaching on the sidelines. I'd see pictures. Uh, I'd see you in person, and you you would always, most of the time, have a medallion or some sort of a necklace around your neck. Um, what What did that mean? What was that? Well, I mean, those were gifts, and uh, I'd gotten I'd gotten one from Brian Brewer and one from the Pro Creek coach, and uh, uh, you know, they were just were pretty special to me that uh, they would make these, they made them themselves, and then give them to me, and uh, uh, so I, I I felt I felt real proud to to wear that and uh, wear wear it in in the uh, LNI tournament. Larry, you were a big supporter of the Native American schools and everything that they, they are trying to, to get better. You're, you were a big supporter for them. It was special. Yes. It was special to, to be with It them. was special to me. And, uh, you know, uh, I went to my uh, uh, rheumatology doctor here in, in Sioux Falls, first time I'd ever seen him. Lo and behold, the nurse was a former cheerleader from Red Cloud High School. Uh-huh. And uh, 
her best friend was Dusty Laveau's daughter, oh. who was a really good friend of mine. I mean, every time we'd go to a game, she'd come up and give me a hug, and everybody was wondering, what's that Native American cheerleader doing hugging that coach? <laughs> <laughs> but oh, that's it's great. just, you know, it's a small world. It's a small world. And uh, uh, I was I was doctored for lupus, and she knew more about lupus than the doctor did. <laughs> You've been a, a great coach, of course, a father. You're a mentor to a number of, of high school kids. They've had their own personal problems, but there's been a couple of times where I think the community and the basketball team really looked to you, Larry, and one of those times, unfortunately, was that starting point guard you had, Derek Paulson. What a great player he was. He wow. passed away in a, in a car crash in 1999. It was devastating for the community. That was a tough one, uh, Craig. Uh, there's no way to there's no way to explain how you handle something like that because you don't. I mean, um, I knew that I had to take care of with Freddie, and and I knew I had to take care of Eileen. That was the cheerleader's mother. Both of them taught for me. Both of them worked for me in the school, and and uh, it was tough. It was tough. I mean, uh, they were both in my office. Uh, every day for probably six months. Uh, and uh, there were two great, great kids. I mean, just super kids. Uh, you know, Derek was a great basketball player. But but on top of that, he was just a great kid. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, he came to me uh, on the uh, Sunday before he was killed. He came up to the house and, and he said, Coach, he said, I, I – I wanted to talk to you. He said, I'm thinking about not going out for football. And he said, I know that, uh, you know, people say that you talked me, you know, out of going out. And, and I just want to know, he said, if, if you're okay with that, if you're okay with me not going out. And I said, you know, you, you can do whatever you want to do. You know, Derek, I said, I'm, I'm not going to tell you, you have to play football. And, uh, so he had decided then that he wasn't going to play football. And then it was that following Friday when they were killed in that car accident over by Alpena. Well, his father, Fred, of course, I know Fred as well. Uh, he coached uh, the Dakota schoolers at one time. And uh, the one time I really got a chance to know Fred was the time that, that you and Fred helped us out with the state basketball tournament one year on television. Oh, that was fun. You and Mike, <laughs> you worked with me and Mike Henriksen, and, and I still yes. remember that, and it was one of the greatest times I've had as a broadcaster working with you. I had, I can't tell you how much fun I had. I mean, it was Fred and I were playing, can you top this? <laughs> <laughs> I thought maybe you guys, you know, quit this coaching thing and become TV uh, basketball analysts. I mean, you we guys talked were, about it. <laughs> Not very long though, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That was fun. I I admire it Fred for fun. what he did too, and certainly what he had to to go go through. It was fun, Craig. Tell me about the bike accident, and that was another time you thought you would never coach again. What happened well, on that day? Yeah, well, I tell you, I uh, I had uh, I had lunch with uh, Doctor Stotts. He was one of the doctors. He he was the one of one of them in the emergency room. And, and uh, he was in the emergency room there in Rapid City just visiting a friend of his who was on call that night. And, and he heard him, you know, call my name over. And he said to his friend, he said, I'll take this one if it's all right. He said, yeah. So he was my doctor there when I came in. Well, I was, I had uh, eight 
multiple broken ribs is one of the things I had wrong with me in, in that crash. And I was doctoring with him afterwards, and I was I was whining about it, you know, because it hurt. Ribs are painful. <laughs> and so I was whining to him, and he put his hand on my shoulder. He says, you know, Larry, he says, you did just thank the Lord that you're here because he said there wasn't one of us in the emergency room thought you'd make it through the night. Well, nobody had ever told me that, Craig. I mean, I you know, I knew it was a bad accident, but nobody had ever told me it was life and death. And, and uh, so I quit whining about the ribs. And uh, You got uh, hit by a vehicle, right? You got hit by yeah, a vehicle? Yeah, I, I got hit. A vehicle was passing, and it had uh, it had hubcaps on the trailer. It had a, it was pulling a trailer behind an RV, and the hubcap caught me. I don't remember it, but I mean, I I saw the the pictures and everything afterwards, and uh, I got caught by a by the hubcap, and it banged me off the side of the uh, of the trailer, and I hit I hit my head twice because I broke my helmet in two places, and uh, that's what it was. The toughest thing uh, recovering from was the traumatic uh, brain injury that I ended up having. And uh, I ended up counseling for a year with uh, the great, greatest psychologist in Rapid City and, and uh, uh, visiting the, the greatest psychiatrist for the meds. So, I mean, I, I got that two great guys to take care of me. And if I hadn't, I probably wouldn't be here right now. And who was the one that said, go back coaching? It's time. It's time for you to get back on the court. Didn't miss much time though, did you? No, I, I was I was out a year and and I missed it and I wanted to get back in. Mm-hmm. I, it was me. <laughs> <laughs> You've had uh, former players as coaches. I remember Nick Redden was was a coach up at Belfouche for a while. In fact, I know that yep. Nick uh, was coaching Belfouche when you played them your last home game of your career. Um, any idea if you kept track of how many former players are have been or are currently coaches you know i never i never ever did keep track but what i probably did keep track of uh, is the number of calls that i got from them and none of them ever wanted to know uh you know how to handle the one three one uh or what's the matchup or anything is all of them wanted to know how do you handle parents <laughs> how do you handle parents that do this or do that and, that that was kind of the sad thing to me, that that's what they were concerned about is is they had parents that were tough on them and and I I understand it I, I see it you know I know it uh, I was fortunate that I didn't have that many I think you know in in DeSmith I think I only had or in DeSmith I didn't have any that I remember in Custer I had one you know one tough tough parent and uh, he was tough I mean he was tough enough that. Uh, uh, a couple times uh, when his kid didn't play much, I checked underneath my pickup when I got back from the game, <laughs> make sure he didn't put a bomb under it. So, so what do you tell? What do you what do you sad. tell? What do you tell those coaches today? The young coaches who want to be a coach or are coaches, you know, how is coaching different today than when you first started? Well, it's it's with the parents. I mean, and you know what I would say when they're twelve is, I mean, you got to listen to them. But, but, you know, don't argue with them, you know, you just have to tell them, well, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm in charge here and, and uh, I'll do it, you know, the way I, I believe and the way I was taught and, and uh, you know, I'm sorry you disagree, but uh, that's the way it'll be. And uh, 
I don't know how they came out with it. You know, I don't know how they did. Some of them called me back and told me, you know, yeah, it worked pretty good. Mm -hmm. Some of them said it didn't work at all. You know, mm -hmm. so, well, it, it happens uh, uh, every place today. It's yeah. small schools, medium schools, large schools. It happens, unfortunately, at every one. You had a it chance, does. though, You're to right. you had a chance to coach your son, Lance. How tough was it being a father and a coach uh, for Lance? It was easy. Um, you know, he, he had the same love of the game, Craig, that I had, you know, and, uh, we, we, he rode back and forth to school. Uh, he never had his own vehicle. So he rode back and forth to school with me. You know, we lived about a mile away from the school and he rode with me every day. And, and we never, we never talked basketball in the pickup on the way to, away from, from the, from the gym, unless, unless he brought it up. If he said something, if he brought it up, then I would talk. Otherwise, we just didn't do it because I, I just didn't think it was fair to him uh, to, you know, have have me talking basketball to him all the time. And so I didn't. I never did. Just at, just at the gym. 1988 to 2003, in that span of 16 years, it was uh, that was the, the heyday for Custer Wildcat basketball. You were the state tournament 10 times. You had five titles, three runners-up. Um, did your coaching change at all during those 16 years when you were constantly going to state tournaments and being in the finals? No, I, I don't, I don't think so, Craig. I think, I think, you know, we were doing it because we had great kids and, uh, you know, basically coached the same way. I, I think my, my coaching probably changed more in the last, uh, six, seven years I coached because of the lupus. I mean, I just, I was in a lot of pain, and and I know now. And I look back, I wasn't I, I wasn't a very good coach. I did I, I wasn't doing a very good job, and uh, it was probably best that I that I did get out of it because I know I wasn't doing a good job. I just I knew that, but um, uh, I guess you know when I guess when you're in a lot of pain, it's sometimes it's hard to stay focused on what you should be focused on. Was there ever an opportunity to get into college, be a college? coach not no not really uh no i never i never had any desire to and i never had anybody come chasing me because <laughs> <laughs> you know when you're winning titles and winning a bunch of ball games uh, schools are going to call those those coaches and say hey are you interested yeah no i really didn't i really didn't how about girls basketball any ch would you have had a chance to coach girls basketball at one time well you know i I coached uh, uh, summer ball for three years with Lance. Uh, coached uh, uh, Brooke, my oldest granddaughter, uh, and I helped Lance. I loved it. I loved it. I loved working with the girls. They, they were they're probably a little more excited about the game, you know, wanting to do well, wanting to please the coach that, than the boys. And uh, I, I did. I loved coaching the girls. It was fun. When it came to coaching, was it 24-7? Was it year-round? How much time did you spend working with your kids in the off-season to get ready for the following year? As much as they wanted. It was pretty much 24-7. Uh, I never made them come to the gym, but I didn't have to. Most of the time, they, they wanted to come to the gym. They wanted to be there, you know. And uh, I certainly obliged them whenever I could. 
Um, right off the top of your head, and this might be a tad difficult, uh, give me some, whether they were Custer players or not, during your time, who were some of the more exciting players that you had a chance to see on the court, whether they were a Custer Wildcat or there was an opponent? Can you name a couple of them? Well, I mean, you know, it was a, it was a, it was a great thrill for me to coach my own son. And, uh, and he was a he was a good basketball player, so I mean that that made it easy for me to coach him. Uh, uh, Trevor Long was it was a great basketball player, uh, probably as good a shooter as I ever had. Uh, Derek Paulson and and Paige, his younger brother, they were mm-hmm. two good basketball mm-hmm. players. Derek probably would have would have ended up being you know the best basketball player I ever coached if he if he had played his senior year. Mm-hmm. Um, because he he was he was good. D one material, uh, yeah. you know. Back when I was at uh, D Smith, uh, uh, I had uh, Randy Jenks and Terry Long and and uh, Tommy Hang, Larry Hine, <laughs> uh, Dave Andrews. And Man, Rick they Timber. made you look good, Larry. Oh my goodness, they did. <laughs> they made me look really good, and they were super. You know, I've, well, I've had some really good basketball players. Yeah. I, I mean, I've been really blessed with some real talent, and uh, uh, it was fun. It was fun to coach them. They were very coachable. Uh, Lance asked me, uh, uh, he was working on the book, and he asked me, how many T's did your kids have in the years you coached? <laughs> well, I had to do some calling, and I had to do some checking, and we ended up, I think, with three. And uh, Three technicals. Well, Three technicals. One was the first year I got a kid that came from Chicago and he was a little bit wild <laughs> and he got, he got a tee uh, when we were playing up at Sturgis and, but he liked to play and, you know, I benched him when he got the tee and he didn't play anymore that game. That was the last time that he ever had a tee. And then I had a kid that, uh, that uh, bounced the ball, you know, off the floor and it wasn't really that, serious a bounce either but he got to you know i i figured he deserved it you know i mean i didn't think it was you know could have just as well been avoided and then i had the, the third one was a, a kid going up to dunk the ball and and uh he was in the lni and he had a native american kid underneath him and so he held on the rim so he wouldn't fall on the kid and, and he got teed up for hanging on the rim uh so the only one that was really a serious T was the first one. The other two were too bad, you know. Did the kids know but, if they got a T, they were going to be sitting down? Yeah, yeah, they knew that. They knew that if they got a T, they didn't play anymore that game. So, and you never uh, got a technical. I, I, you know, I don't think I got very many. I, I was trying to, th- I, I was trying <laughs> to think. You know, uh, I remember getting one in Custer when. Uh, I was wondering if the charge wasn't a block or the block wasn't a charge. I can't mm-hmm. remember. No. I've seen a few coaches get excited over that. Yes. In, the, in the play. <laughs> and uh, I got a T there. And, uh, I can't remember any others other than that one. Two more for uh, Larry Luchens. You won 70% of your games, but what school was always kind of that craw on your side that – it took a bunch of work to always beat them, or maybe they beat you more than what you thought. Was there one team that Custer played that always was tough? Well, 
you know, back back when uh, when we were really really good, both spearfish at Belfouche were really really good, and uh, you know, it seems like you know some of those years where we had uh, twenty four and one records, the one was Bell or or spearfish, and uh, both of them were were well coached uh, and they had talent. Yeah, talented players. They were they were they were good basketball teams, and uh, we always had to do a lot of preparation uh, for both those games. Uh, um, and sometimes we didn't prepare enough because <laughs> they they would get us in the in the, those years. But that that was probably you know and and then it, you know then playing any team that Dusty had Red Cloud especially mm-hmm. those were always tough games. Uh, they were they were they were. A, good, good basketball team. And uh, they probably won as many, you know, games uh, as we won. And uh, there's not a lot of teams that can say that. Lastly, Larry, what uh, what do you want people to remember you most about being a coach? Well, there's more to the game than, than making a free throw or making uh, a layup. And, and I hope that uh, I hope that the kids that played for me believe that themselves and, and know that uh, there was more to the game than that. Great to reminisce some of those great years with Larry Luchens, 748 wins, winning 70% of his games, 45 years of coaching, just just a great coach, a great a great guy, and fun to talk to him and Certainly, we talked about some former players, some former players who became coaches, uh, but the one he enjoyed the most, of course, wouldn't surprise me, he got to coach his son for a while. In fact, four years uh, at at Custer, and Lance Luchens is one of those guys who had a chance to play in the state championship game not only his freshman year, but his sophomore year, his junior year, and his senior year. And Lance Luchens joins us now on In Play. Lance, uh, when I talk about those four years of being in the state championships, what first comes to your mind? Well, I, I think that, you know, many people will remember the, the Lennox-Custer rivalry. Um, I, I know personally for me, our our freshman, my eighth grade year, we, we, were, uh, we were beat in the first round we were playing Ron Colley and we had a lead and the momentum and it was the blizzard year and the lights went out oh, that out, and, in, out in rapid city that year I believe yes it was out in rapid city uh-huh. and you know we ended up getting a consolation I didn't play in that tournament I was on the team that year but um I just I remember the taste of that and I remember looking at those other teams saying we, we could beat that team we could compete with that team, and so it was just this burning desire to get back as a as a freshman. And it was it was a strange thing because we there was nothing there was just nothing else that you would um, accept besides we're gonna we're gonna make it to the state championship next year. And so it almost just became an expectation, and and we we came up short to an, a great Vermilion team. Um, uh, you know, still friends with the Huskas and Huska twins. And yep. I just went, remember they that. They went back to back uh, on that. Yes, that they way. went back to back. You are absolutely correct. Yeah. And, and we got the second half of the back <laughs> uh, and uh, came up a little short. And I, you know, I remember uh, Jason Huska coming to me and saying, Hey, you're going to be here again. 
you're going to have a great career uh, as as the game was closing out, and it's just a classy thing to do. And and you know, I I just said to myself right there, uh, I, I absolutely we're going to get back. And you know, that sophomore year it was the it was the first time Custer had ever won a state championship, and and to do it in undefeated style um, against Red Cloud and actually. Yep against Red Cloud. So it was it was a team that we had played in the Lakota Nation Championship and had beat them by 6 points in a in a barn burner there and then here we do they end up uh, pulling a couple of huge upsets beating Lennox as one of their upsets and we get them in the championship in another dog fight to the end and and uh end up with that that first win and and that was probably that'll always still be my first memory. I think it's that first championship you know that just that first celebration that that you that you always always remember the following year 91 Lennox uh, comes back uh, to to beat you but then you get as a senior you beat Lennox in the championship by seven points so you got three out of four <laughs> three out of four uh <laughs> you know it, we, you know we did and and ironically it was a uh, uh, a Custer Lennox championship there um three years in a row and and custer you know getting the last two of the three um but but my senior year was one once again that we wanted that redemption and and you know we we were our sites the year before lennox's sites were on us we had a 49 game win streak going into that game and and they had been playing their whole year hoping to play us and then the following year we kind of did the same thing we wanted to to avenge that loss and, and kind of go out as state champs. And that's the way it ended up. Some great high school years playing basketball, but Lance, when you were in elementary school, your dad is a basketball coach. What was life like watching your dad on the sidelines at the basketball games? Well, I, I, I just, I didn't, I grew up not knowing anything else. Um, I mean, I, I grew up sitting on his lap watching videotapes of Don Meyer teaching different defenses, and, and I'd be, you know, down in the basement, and, and then we would go to games, and I can remember being to games as, you know, as young as, as I could walk and, you know, going out there and chucking up some shots uh, <laughs> at halftime of a game, and back then they didn't kick you off the floor quite as quick. So, um, but it, so it was just always it was just always part of my life, and I just – you know, I looked forward to the day that I was going to get to play like those those big Custer Wildcats. Uh, Doug Herman was a name that I'll throw out because he was kind of my high school, you know, kind of my my idol. Um, probably the best athlete to ever play at Custer High School. He ended up going to University of Nebraska and and uh, getting drafted in in football, but also ran track and was a four time All State basketball player. So I I just was engrossed in basketball and in the culture of Custer Wildcats. But you knew your dad was going to be the coach. And Absolutely. you knew that you knew what his style was. You knew what he was like on the sidelines. Nothing was going to surprise you. But how much time off the court did you two sit down and talk strategy, talk basketball? You know, um, we talked basketball as often as I wanted to talk basketball. It was one of the things that uh, I I knew that he was always going to be a little bit harder on me, and 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 I welcomed that. It wasn't, you know, I wanted to be the best I could be anyway. But we just we kind of had an agreement that uh, 
you know, when practice was done or when a game was done, uh, if, if I wanted to talk basketball, then I'd say, Hey dad, I want to talk basketball. And, and if I didn't, then, then he wouldn't push it. And I think that's really what made our coach son relationship a lot more unique than, than what many others may have experienced. Was there a memory of a game where maybe he got on your case a little bit more than usual? Do you remember? Were there any of those types of games? <laughs> you know, I, I, I just, I, there was always, there was always times where he would, he would bite at me and get after me. And, <laughs> and, uh, you know, he, he would, he would do that at times when I deserved it. And then he would do that at times when he just wanted to get everyone else going. Um, you know, but I, I guarantee you that, that usually if he was doing that, it had something to do with the defensive end because that was the end that was 100% with him about effort and hustle and heart. And he knew that on the offensive end, you know, there, there would be days when you had it and days that you didn't. And so that's, that's kind of where he did most of his, uh, most of his barking. Lance, how many times you're with dad uh, going downtown Custer, uh, maybe going to the grocery store, or maybe got a stop at the post office, or maybe got a stop at the hardware store, get something, and all of a sudden you get to where you're going and someone is there and they want to talk to your dad. They want to talk to your dad. They want to talk basketball. I assume that happened a lot anytime that your dad went downtown. <laughs> well, it it did, and and unfortunately, my dad enjoyed talking basketball. So I, <laughs> it took I longer knew than that normal. Those, yeah, and and he would talk basketball with someone he didn't even know. He'd just introduce himself, and all of a sudden, they'd be talking, and it was basketball. <laughs> but yeah, it it uh, it happened quite often. You kind of got used to it, and it's uh, something that if I can't take him anywhere even today without someone stopping and <laughs> wanting to talk <laughs> basketball. What was it like playing in the Lakota National Invitational? Uh, you know, such a hard thing to explain if, if people haven't experienced it. And, and I would say, you know, I know that they couldn't have it this year, but if there's anybody listening that has never gone out and experienced it, you, you need to do that as a fan first, and then you'll have a little bit of a taste um, because that was as close of an atmosphere of a state tournament as you could possibly have, except – it probably, you know, easily was much more pageantry and and celebration than what you would have in a state tournament. Um, a lot more time around the teams and, and just celebrating each other. And it was, you know, having Custer be part of that, uh, I, I became really good friends with, with a lot of those kids that played from Red Cloud and that played from from different parts, you know, whether it be Piners, Little Wound, Shiner, Butte, um, Crow Creek, et cetera. And so it, it was a very unique experience um, and one that we knew as Custer going in there that we would always have everybody there cheering against us. But as soon as we'd be, you know, walking out amongst the fans and everything like that, you had people coming up to you that you didn't even know saying, you know, hey, love watching you play. And so it was, it was, it was an experience that I wouldn't give up for anything. Lance, you know that there are a lot of coaches' sons who get into the profession. They become coaches, too. They want to be like their father. You got into education. I mean, you're an assistant principal now in Sioux Falls. You've been in town now for about seven years. How about the coaching angle? Where where did that arrow point the other direction instead of coaching basketball? 
Well, excellent question. I, I, I loved my years of coaching and I had, uh, you know, some, some great memories in Vermillion as the head girls basketball coach down there. And, and we got to make it to a championship game uh, against Sisseton and came up just a little short. And then I had four great years out at Rapid City Stevens. Uh, when I moved, when we moved to Colorado, um, I became a head principal and it was kind of that next step for me as I really wanted to focus on that part. And I wanted to focus on my own two daughters. And so I really enjoyed coaching them. And uh, toward the end of my time there in Colorado, I, I was a varsity assistant with a just a super friend that uh, was down there in, in Parker, Colorado. And I kind of got to get my, my taste buds back in it there for, <laughs> for three more years. But, you know, not every district allows that once you become administrate, once you become an administrator, it really consumes your time in a big district. And so, you know, it became that, that choice of having to, to make that decision. And Sioux Falls is just a great school district to be a part of. Uh, I do miss the coaching though. So your dad uh, lives in Sioux Falls as well uh, with you. How much time do you guys spend talking basketball today? Well, you know, um, we, with all the games that I have to go and, and, uh, and, you know, watch the, watch the kids and the fans, et cetera. Um, uh, prior to this year with COVID, you know, I would drag him along to some of those and, <laughs> and we would always be talking about different scenarios that happened in the game. And, you know, I wonder what would have happened if um, it's something that for him, he can't ever truly get that out of his blood. I, I think he watches every game and, and says that, you know, I, you know what I think I would have done right there in the third quarter. <laughs> uh, and so uh, it's, it's definitely a topic oh, that, uh, that comes up um, often because it's still part of what I do. I'm, I'm still at all those Roosevelt games now, and I was at all those Lincoln games when I was an assistant over there as well. You were involved with a book about your father. First, uh, when did this idea come about to write a book? Well, I'm, I'm Bob Parsons, who was my fifth and sixth grade basketball coach, and he's been a coach out in Custer. Uh, he then went into Fellowship of Christian Athletes, and he's now with an organization called COIN, which is Coaches of Influence. And he came up with the idea, and, and the book is, is called uh, uh, Larry Luchin's A Coach of Influence. And the whole purpose behind the book is – it's to talk about his career and the legendary career that he had with being the winningest coach in South Dakota history. But along with that, um, this is also a book that that uh, is written to try to, to glorify uh, Jesus and, and the faith aspect behind, um, you know, what, what my dad believes in and what we believe in and, and what is so strong to us and how just those principles – um, really are a catalyst for what you're trying to do and what you're trying to teach kids as a coach. And the and and so the book will highlight all of the different influences that he has had throughout his career. Um, and what we've done, I'm helping Bob write it, and the two of us are putting this together. Uh, we've we've written one uh, team talk devotional that goes with each of the years that he coached. And so you get to see a picture of all well there's 47 of them because he had two assistant coaching years so we would have to put 47 together and you can see the team with a little mm. summary of the year and a devotion that goes with it mm. um, and then along with that you know the influences of uh you know custer being 
the first team that was in the Lakota Nation and, and Custer going down to the reservation when it was not the best time in rough. the seventies. Yep. Rough. To play the best competition. Yep. You know, those those stories start to come out with some of that reconciliation and and uh, it, it's really going to be a neat book, which all the proceeds will go back to, um, you know, the nonprofit organization of COIN. When can I start getting getting the book? When's it going to be available? <laughs> well, you know, Bob has done a great job of putting the outline together, and, and we're um, I would I would anticipate, you know, the first goal was to have it ready this year, and then we kind of said let's let's see what COVID does, and and. And uh, I think what we're going to do is have this ready for next year. Um, it might be ready in, you know, in print and ready for the Lakota nation next year would be, would be the, the guess it's, it's the book is that'd be December you know, right now. It's just kind of cleaning it up. So mm-hmm. what, uh, well, certainly can't wait again. It's going to be called uh, Larry Luchin's a coach of influence, Bob Parsons, yeah. Lance Luchin's putting it together. I hope uh, it comes out much quicker than uh, what you're what you're hoping. I can't wait can't wait to read well, it. Well, I think it I think it will. Um, I we're just trying to decide. You know, I think it would be kind of neat to to debut it at the uh, Lakota Nation there, but I'm I'm guessing the book will be done before that. Tough question, because there's been so many great things with your dad. But what are you most proud of about your father and what he's done? Well. You know, um, interestingly enough, the fact that I have jumped in and started writing this book, um, you know, it would be, it would be easy to give you a a nice cheesy answer to that, that question right there. But when you start going back and there's a lot of these stories that I didn't know, uh, you know, there's people that have come back and have said, you know, here's what coach Luchens did for me. And I wouldn't be the person that I am today had he not took, taken an interest in me. Um, you start to read those and then you realize that that, you know, the influence was a little bit deeper than I might have thought. Um, and that's what I'm proud about because it's, it's easy to say my dad's the winningest coach in South Dakota history. But that's just a statistic. It's, it's when you get to step back and you start just looking at different lives that have been changed because he had an impact on him and he took interest in that, in that person as a, a whole person rather than only having an interest in how can I motivate you to be a basketball player? Uh, that's for me, that's probably what I'm the most proud of and, and how he did that trying to keep Christ in the center of his life and really keep his priorities um, with helping kids first. If you like what you're hearing, please give us a five-star review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. It helps us gain new listeners. This has been In Play with me, Craig Maddock. This is a production of South Dakota Public Broadcasting.